Every fighter fights for something. It might be legacy, a paycheck, or to honor the memory of a loved one. And usually the more personal the reason behind the victory, the more emotion we see pour out once a fighter's hand is raised. In the UFC alone, we've seen countless fighters suffer through extreme hardships and still manage to pull out the win regardless. And often the release of emotions that comes along with it are some of the most heartfelt in the sport. So grab your tissues, fight fans. I'm Balian from MMA On Point, and these are the 10 most emotional UFC victories. Number 10. Rose Namajunas, UFC 261 it's hard to believe, given now we've seen what she's capable of, that Thug Rose almost retired after losing her belt to Jessica Andrade. She told media post-fight, I just want to do something else with my life right now. It's just hard to keep having fun with this. It's no secret even as champion Rose struggled with her mental health, something she had been combating all of her life. The pressure and responsibilities as a champion had certainly reached a boiling point and one that seemingly she no longer wanted any part of. She had managed to overcome fear and self-doubt when first claiming the title from the boogie woman Joanna Janjacek, whose ability to intimidate her opponents was legendary. But her repeated mantras and ability to remain centered within herself certainly helped carry her to victory. And this continued into her fight against Wei Li at UFC 261 as she continued to repeat her new mantra, I'm the best, right up until Bruce Buffer's announcement. And she certainly proved that to herself and everybody else with her first round head kick KO. Her demeanor goes from calm to absolute breakdown in the space of about five seconds as she's announced the winner and the belt is wrapped around her waist. She clutched onto the belt like it was going to run away during her post-fight interview with Rogan and the smile of genuine belief and confidence in herself when she agrees with the entire planet that she's the best was so heartwarming to see after witnessing her struggles with self-confidence throughout her career. She professed that fighting is scary, stating, that's why I do this, I want to face my fears. Number 9. Cody Garbrandt, UFC 209 the origins of Cody Garbrandt began in the blue-collar factory town of Uricksville, Ohio. It was here he met a young boy named Maddox who was diagnosed with leukemia at age five. Word had spread in their small community and Cody's brother Zach encouraged him to reach out and offer his support. Cody was only 19 at the time. The stories of the Garbrandt brothers causing chaos are, well, legendary, and he was only one wrong move away from jail, let alone the UFC octagon. It was Maddox's fight against cancer that inspired Cody to stop wasting his own life and to take up MMA as a professional. And throughout the years, Maddox's battle worsened and Cody made him a promise that he would keep fighting the cancer and Cody would go on to make it to the UFC and bring Maddox with him. And what do you know, he was front row for Cody's knockout of Marcus Brimich in his UFC debut. At UFC 189, Maddox for the first time walked with Cody to the octagon, something he had fantasized about doing after he'd been wheelchair bound during his treatment. Cody described the relationship as, he's so young that he doesn't even understand the impact he's had on my life. This is the least I can do. I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he gets to walk me to the octagon. I've seen that kid. He didn't have a regular childhood. The things kids get to do every day, go out and play with their friends, he didn't get to do that. Their relationship continued right up to Cody's title win at UFC 207, and the outpouring of emotion from Cody was evident. He wasted no time telling Joe Rogan, the audience in attendance, and everyone around the world just how much Maddox had helped him get here, and wrapped the strap around Maddox's waist. Number 8. Tim Elliott, UFC 219 the passing of Robert Follis shook the MMA world. As the former and longtime head coach of Extreme Couture and Team Quest before that, the list of athletes that he had worked with all had found him as a mentor and father figure is quite substantial. Among these was Tim Elliott, who had moved from Kansas to Nevada in order to specifically be close to and train with Follis. But two weeks out from his scheduled bout against then undefeated Mark De La Rosa, Robert sadly took his own life. Elliott said he hadn't been able to sleep in those two weeks, had been drinking quite a bit and not eating. He showed up to fight week at 130. 34 pounds, 14 pounds lighter than his normal weight cut. And he was concerned, telling media during fight week, I'm a little bit worried about how my emotions are, are going to play out. I don't want it to, to wear me out. Um, now I'm stuck in a, in a spot where I don't really want to be here anymore. Um, he was the whole reason why I was here. 
There was talk of pulling out of the contest, but it was James Krause who helped convince him to stay in the fight. He called the path he found himself on a destructive one, but he was able to make it to UFC 219, a fight which he won by Anaconda in the second round. After the victory, he simply crossed to the cage and sat down against it. Mark came over to give him support, clearly understanding the ordeal he had gone through to even just get to the fight. Even as his hand was raised, you'd have thought Tim had just lost the fight, not won it, and you could see the tears welling in his eyes. Uh, Robert Follis, I love you. Thank you for everything. Number 7. Ian Freeman, UFC 38 the UFC has come a long way since its first appearance in the UK, and although it had its own regional scene, mostly rung by gangsters, let's face it, England wasn't exactly bursting with MMA talent. But one man who certainly carried the hopes of the nation on his shoulders was the machine, Ian Freeman, winner of the British MMA Grand Prix in 1999 and the British Valley Tudo title. He also had a handful of UFC fights, so when they finally made the trip across the pond to England, you can be certain the machine was invited to be a part of it, and it was booked to co-main event UFC 38 inside the Royal Albert Hall, no less, against a very young, undefeated, and expected future champion, Frank Mir. He was a heavy underdog, having not fought in the UFC for two years, and the much younger Mir was 4-0, even calling himself a stepping stone before the fight. Freeman took things seriously and had been training with Josh Barnett in Seattle when he received a call two weeks out from the fight that his father, Billy, had fallen seriously ill and was in an ICU. He flew home immediately as the doctors found a tumor in his father's brain, giving him less than two months to live. He prepared to pull out of the fight, and his mum reminded him, you've worked years for this, this chance won't come again but it didn't change the fact Ian wanted to spend every last moment he could with his father. His mum left him with the parting words, listen, go to London, beat him up, and come home and tell dad you've got him the best going away present ever. Even during the fight, Freeman had to battle through extreme adversity, refusing to tap to a heel hook he described as the most excruciating pain of his life. In an awe-inspiring performance, Ian TKO'd Frank with 30 seconds left in the first round and dedicated the win to his father in an extremely heartfelt post-fight speech. Sadly, however, his dad had passed away the day before the fight requesting that no one tell Ian so we could have the best chance at winning. Number 6. Cody Stamen, UFC 250 Cody Stamen has been in the UFC for a number of years now and has had some impressive and entertaining performances, but his victory at UFC 250 and ability to persevere through hardships will always be a part of his legacy. Just one week before the fight, tragically and suddenly, his 18-year-old brother passed away. Many expected he would pull out of the fight, and he explained that all week people were asking him if he wanted to postpone the contest. Cody instead kept thinking to himself, what would the person that passed, what would they want me to do? His brother had been a high-level amateur wrestler and a massive fan of Cody, who fought tooth and nail against Brian Kelleher to pull out the victory. After the horn sounded, his opponent Brian immediately embraced him, knowing full well the ordeal he had been going through. And when they broke away, Cody immediately broke down in tears in the octagon, Alex suggesting that he could finally begin the mourning process. In his post-fight interview, he professed that he'd been on the, on the verge of tears. And I was like, dude, you can't, you know, you, you work this hard, you can't fall apart now. You know, so today was hard. Today was really, really hard. Um, but, you know, I, I did what I had to do. Number 5. Adrian Yanis, Fight Night, Vegas 43 All loss on a personal level is devastating. There's no real way to process or deal with it, and really only time can help. And when it's the death of a coach, a father figure for a young fighter in the middle of his budding career, there's certainly some extra weight to bear. Adrian Yanez has been a complete tear ever since his arrival into the UFC, and he had head coach Saul Solis to thank for that. Known by many as the godfather of MMA in Texas, he was the owner and operator of Metro Fight Club, the most prolific gym in Houston, and had been working with Yanez since his amateur days. He contracted COVID and sadly passed away on August 17, 2021. Yanez described the camp as a roller coaster, stating, I usually see him sitting down like in this certain, certain spot, and just being able to see him walk, him, like, walk in and just see 
him and him just greet each other and everything was like I miss those little small moments, you know. Two months later, Yanez stepped into the cage to fight Davy Grant at UFC Vegas 43, and Adrian confessed his coach not being there was in the back of his mind for the entire fight, especially every time he returned to his corner. I lost my father in 2016, and I lost the person who was the father figure to me. So that 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 hurt as well as preparing for his own fight overnight he was made the new head coach stepping up and helping all the other fighters at the gym also while juggling the birth of his first child and the purchase of his first house the fight was fantastic and once again yana's shine picking up his fourth straight win and fourth straight post-fight bonus immediately after he broke down in tears in the center of the octagon clearly the pain and responsibilities piled upon him finally being too much able to release now the work had been done he told media after the fight he was going to take some time off to get his mental health in order and to just deal with everything ending with honestly i still haven't dealt with it number four josh saman ufc 181 as you can probably tell from this list, there's nothing easy about competing after the death of a loved one, and for Josh Saman, things were no different. Although no longer with us, Saman left a lasting impression on the sport and showcased his courage and heart the night of UFC 181, where less than one year after the tragic passing of his girlfriend, he stepped into the octagon to face Eddie Gordon on what would have been her birthday. They had been texting each other as she drove, and an officer arrived on the event of the scene at 8.41pm. The last message Josh had sent was at 8.36, and tragically, he told media that he always held him himself responsible for it. He hadn't fought since and the contest at 181 would be the first time telling MMA junkie, I figured that I had been miserable long enough and it was time to take steps to assert myself and get my own life back. He had also lost his stepfather during this time and had to comfort his mother's grief along with his own. When he saw an event that was being planned for December 6th, he knew he had to get involved, stating Haley always used to say everything happens for a reason. He chose to channel all his emotions into the contest instead of suppressing them, hoping to harness them. The fight was a battle and he professed Eddie Gordon was the strongest opponent he'd ever faced, but in absolute devastating fashion, he found a picture-perfect head kick in round two and knocked Eddie out cold. What followed was one of the most raw displays of emotion you'll see inside the cage. Josh documented the events in an article he wrote for Bloody Elbow where he details the entire experience, explaining in those moments he was uncertain of what to do with his life next. He told Rogan post-fight, I had so many moments of self-doubt and uncertainty since the last time I was in the cage. There was no doubt in my mind. I knew in my heart, I just believed that I would win. In what is undoubtedly one of the most emotional victories of all time. Number three, Michael Chiesa, the Tough 15 finale. Yeah, as you can probably tell, these entries don't get any easier to bear. Michael Chiesa is also another UFC fighter who tragically lost his father mid-competition. Mike instead received the news whilst a member of the Ultimate Fighter Live Season 15. He'd yet to fight as part of the competition when he received a phone call passing on the tragic news of his father's death. Although visibly traumatized, he told the cameras that they had talked about this potentially happening and that no matter what, he should stay in the house. Well, he did that and he also blew through the competition in the process, Justin Lawrence, James Vick and in the finale, Al Iaquinta and claiming the title of the ultimate fighter. Afterwards, he stated, I would never have stepped on that plane to Las Vegas to leave for tough knowing my dad's condition if it wasn't for him making me make a promise to him that no matter what happens to him or anything else, I have to go through with my dream. But his post-fight celebration after winning the ultimate fighter was an uncorking of weeks of bottled emotions, finally able to relent in his campaign to honor his father's memory. Number two, Katzin Garno, UFC 178. 
Kat had been facing adversity all of her life by the time one of the hardest nights of her career came around at UFC 178. As the only girl on the high school wrestling team, she'd built a life for herself defying the expectations. When her high school sweetheart broke up with her after she'd just pre-purchased him a bunch of jujitsu lessons, you can be damn sure she got stuck into those as well. It was there she would meet future husband Mauricio, who coached her through the world of competitive jujitsu and into a career in MMA, where he became her trainer, financial advisor, manager, father to her son, and of course, husband. This all led to the best performance of her career over Misha Tate in April 2013. The winner would go on to coach opposite Ronda Rousey on the new season of The Ultimate Fighter and fight for the bantamweight title. She got a hard-fought victory, but just one month later suffered a devastating knee injury. Tate took her place on the show, and in January of the following year, her husband Mauricio tragically committed suicide, and everything she knew changed. Her friend Barb Honchak described things as her world went upside down and backwards and sideways all at the same time. Kat, however, stated... All I wanted to do was get to that cage. I had to get in there one more time. Eight months later, she was back in the cage against none other than Amanda Nunes, who absolutely battered her in the opening round with the fight almost being stopped. But she rallied back in the third, took mount, and pounded out Nunes. What followed was an outpouring of emotions along with a primal scream as her hand was raised in victory. Honchak explained that Mauricio always lifted her up in the cage after her win, and for a moment, Kat looked around expecting to see him, but it dawned on her he was no longer there. But she also realized she could do it without him. It was a defining moment. She could stay in the sport, and fight for herself and not for him. Number one, Habib Namagamadoff, UFC 254. Just as things seemed to get back to normal at 155, following McGregor's vacation and Habib scooping up the strap, there was of course a global pandemic, which shut down pretty much everything. Geographically, it wasn't exactly great for Habib either, as traveling to the States to defend his title was pretty much off the cards. To make things worse, his father and coach Adulmanap Namagamadoff caught COVID and was being treated in Dagestan. Having been unable to be in his son's corner for any of his UFC career due to visa issues, he'd finally been present to coach his son during his last win over Poirier at UFC 242, as the fight took place in Abu Dhabi. Habib's next title defense was already set against Justin Gaethje at 254, again in Abu Dhabi, but unfortunately, Abdulmanap would not be there. After his condition worse, he was flown to a military hospital in Moscow, where on July 3rd, 2020, just one month out from the fight, he sadly passed away. Even old rival Connor had been praying for his recovery, and MMA fighters across the globe acknowledged his loss and contribution to the sport. Habib now faced Gaethje on the back of one of the biggest personal tragedies imaginable, but was still able to be as professional as ever and secured the win. Listening to his emotional post-fight speech is enough to move even the coldest of hearts as he ended with, if you have parents, be close to them. That is all. I only have one parent left, my mum. I just want to spend more time with her. And if that didn't do it for you watching Justin kneel down beside a sobbing Habib and whisper, I haven't had the chance to tell you that I'm so sorry for your dad's loss, but you just made your father really proud, certainly will. Big shout out and thank you to Max Randall for editing this video. You can follow him on Twitter at Max underscore Randall. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thanks so much for watching today, guys. Remember to like and subscribe. I'll see you in the next one.